Make Happy is a creative facilitation agency who work with organisations to help them improve their collaboration, their communication and also their creativity. This is Engage Governance, the podcast series from the Chartered Governance Institute, UK and Ireland. Today I'm speaking to Sophie Patton-McDermott, who is a partner at an organisation called Make Happy. We're going to be talking about difficult conversations, something I'm sure our audience will have encountered at some stage in their career. Welcome, Sophie. Perhaps you could start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your organisation. Hi there. And so, as you say, I work for a company called Make Happy. Um, I'm myself a facilitator and a mediator. And at Make Happy, we work with all different kinds of organisations, really to help teams and groups communicate better with each other, to collaborate better, and using training and workshops to really create safe spaces for that to happen. That sounds really interesting. And so we're we're talking today about difficult conversations. What do you mean by a difficult conversation? Mm. So I guess for me, when I think of difficult conversations, I'm really talking about a conversation you feel nervous about having, that you're really dreading, that maybe you put off and something that you feel is going to be very uncomfortable to talk about. And when we do training in this area, one that comes up a lot is asking your boss for a salary raise for example or giving or receiving negative feedback perhaps or raising an issue that's happening on the team that you think needs addressed and I would class all of those as difficult conversations. Mm, Yes and perhaps things that feel familiar to the audience. Um, Mm. So should we be having these difficult conversations or um, should we just be avoiding them? I definitely wouldn't recommend you go out seeking conflict and looking for issues to raise all the time. Yeah. But definitely, I think difficult conversations are a part of working life. They are going to come up again and again. And if you can be skilled in this area, then really that's going to help you resolve conflicts, keep and maintain healthy relationships with the people that you work with, help you move projects forward. And certainly if you're a manager or if you aspire to become a manager, then having tricky and uncomfortable conversations is an essential part of that job. You might have to give someone negative feedback. You might have to say, I'm really sorry, you're not getting that promotion. You might even have to make someone redundant. So to be able to have these difficult conversations is really, really important. And I also think if you avoid all uncomfortable conversations, which to be honest, lots of us do, Mm then it can lead to um, issues that are happening within the team, within the organisations not being raised, and then they go unchecked, or your own frustration building to the point that it affects your well-being and your ability to perform effectively in your job. Yeah, absolutely. So where's the balance? How do you decide which conversations are worth having and, and which we should let go? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I don't think there are any hard and fast rules to it. But I would say, from my perspective, something to think about is being strategic about it. So thinking about your own goals, whether it's your career goals, or whether it's the goals that you want to achieve for a particular project. Thinking about what you're trying to achieve and thinking does this conversation need to happen to help me achieve that? And so why do so many people find these sorts of conversations hard? Mm. I mean, I think the number one thing it comes down to is that we all want to be liked. 
And that's something that comes up time and time again when we do training around um, tricky conversations is people worry <laughs> that if they raise these issues that people will um, not like them <laughs> anymore. And I think it does run deeper than that too, because, you know, as humans, we are herd animals and really the ability to cooperate and to not um, raise difficult issues and create conflict is key to our survival. Right. And so it's quite deeply ingrained in us, I think, to avoid conflict. One exercise we often do with participants is to get them to think about a tricky conversation they've had and think about their body's response during that conversation. Um, and often what people will say is things like their heart beats really quickly, they get sweaty palms, maybe they feel a bit nauseated even, maybe a bit dry mouthed. And those are all really the effects of adrenaline in your body. And that's really because um, your brain is perceiving this conflict as a threat to your survival. So it's kind of engaging your fight or flight response. Um, so we have quite deep down inside us a strong bodily as well as mental response to the thought of these conflicts we want to be liked then we have this very um uncomfortable physical response to it so yes. when we think about, about difficult conversations the whole thing just seems very unpleasant to us then when you remember difficult conversations you've had in the past you remember how uncomfortable it yes. felt so again it becomes a bit of a cycle that you you continue to avoid them um, and I also think just culturally I know we're recording this in London today I think the podcast goes out all over the world but certainly in British working culture and in education we yes. don't get given the tools with which to have constructive yeah. conversations with each other if anything we're taught to stuff all our <laughs> frustrations and issues down and not raise them and that makes it really difficult too yes um do you think that is, is changing a little bit in in Britain yeah, I think so. I hope so. I think um, the global influence has a role to play because as we yeah. do um, engage with different cultures where they have different styles of communication, yeah. I think that gives us different ways to approach these conversations. Um, and, and so having thought about everything that makes these conversations difficult, how can we feel more positive about having them? Mm. I think it's really important to try and reframe them in your mind to just start thinking about them differently. So even just simple um, tricks. So if you do have these thoughts running through your head, like, oh my goodness, this is going to be awful, <laughs> just to change that. So when you're yeah. thinking that to say, this is not going to be awful, this is going to be a really useful conversation, this is going to help me achieve my goals. And just that mental trick of starting to reframe it in your mind will really help. It sounds really simple, but actually it really helps you as you approach these conversations. And also just go into it, not expecting it to be awful, but to expect a positive outcome. Yeah. Um, and to just keep in mind the long-term benefit if you are asking for a promotion or to keep that goal in mind to help you think positively about the conversation. And so should you prepare for um, a conversation that you're worried about? And, and if you should, how would you do that? Mm. Yeah, I think, again, there's a bit of a balance to be struck because you don't want to over-prepare for it and spend so long rewording what you're going to say and thinking about what you're going to say that you just wind yourself up about it and become really anxious. 
And also, you never know exactly what's going to happen with the other person. So you can't really prepare exactly how the conversation is going to go. Um, but I think it is useful to do a bit of preparation so that you can go into it feeling confident and feeling like you know what you want to say during that conversation. Again, I would go back to the idea of it, setting out your goals for the conversation. What are you trying to achieve? And once you've done that, you can think about, okay, so what are the key pieces of information that I really need to communicate during this conversation that are going to help me achieve that goal? So if it's three or four points that you want to make sure you make, to have those in your mind is really going to help you structure the conversation. And if it's useful to you, you know, you can write them down, even though you might not necessarily bring the notes with you, but just to start to um, organise your thoughts and get it down on paper. And so is there a good time to have a difficult conversation? Mm, I think that's an interesting one. I think certainly there's an element of choosing your moment. Yes. <laughs> if, you know, if the person that you need to have this conversation with is right in the middle of something really stressful, if they're clearly really busy, then that might not be the best time to approach them. Equally, if it's really late towards the end of the day and everyone's exhausted, that's not necessarily going to be the time where everyone is going to be at their best to have a really healthy conversation. But having said all that, I think the most important aspect about timing is to not put it off. <laughs> I, and I think we're all guilty of that. We yeah. do that, we delay, we prevaricate. We can think of a million reasons why now is not the right time to have the conversation. You think, oh, okay, I'll just raise it next time or oh, I'll speak to them about it tomorrow. And then the moment moves on and you miss that opportunity um, to deal with it when it's fresh in your mind um, and there and then. And actually, the longer you put it off, the more you worry about it. Yeah. The more awful it seems like it's going to be in your mind. Yes, absolutely. Um, and is there any potential for using email or WhatsApp, um, perhaps mm. when you are putting things off to stop yourself from doing that? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. I mean, something that people do say when we run these training sessions is that some people like to use email because it just gives them a chance to put their thoughts down, organise it, make sure that they're clearly expressing themselves and to have that time to process rather than in a conversation where you're on the spot a bit more and you're having to give immediate answers and that can feel quite difficult. However, I think from my point of view, the best conversations always happen between two people in a room together. Yeah. I think we can all think of examples with messages, with emails where you've sent an email meaning one thing, but the tone, mm. yes. which is missing in a written piece of communication has come across in the wrong way. Yes. And maybe it's been perceived as passive aggressive or as being critical when that's not exactly how you've meant it to come across. Whereas when you're in a room with someone, you can read their body language, they can read yours, they can hear your tone. You get a much better understanding of what the other person is meaning and you get a, more of a chance to really clearly communicate what you're meaning as well. Would you agree as well that sometimes people are more willing to say things in writing that they wouldn't say in person or they wouldn't really mean in person 
Yeah, I think so, because it's easier in a way, isn't it, to write down something a bit harsher, maybe, than yes. you would actually say. Yeah. I think you see that a lot on social media mm. and the yes, kind of things true. that people say online yeah. are very different to things they would say to someone if they were face to face, because you have that barrier of yeah. the, te- the technology between the, t- the two of you. And it's also easier to get back into a dysfunctional back and forth of yes. a text or email. Yes. And the other thing that I would say is that if you do spend hours putting down all your thoughts into this email and then you send it and then they don't reply, then you're just on tenterhooks, aren't you? Thinking, oh, what are they thinking? Yes. Are they ever going to reply? What's happening? Whereas if you're in a room with someone, then you're dealing with it there and then. Um, And if the person that you want to speak to is your boss, do you think Mm. you need to approach the conversation differently? Mm. Yeah, I often get asked this question, actually. On the one hand, I think your boss is just a human being like any other. Yes. So you don't have to approach it in an extremely different way. But I do think it's useful if you are approaching um, someone more senior to you to think about their priorities and to approach it in a strategic way. So thinking about what is the big picture for the team or the organisation what are this person's priorities? And really, how is what I'm talking about fitting into that? So if you are asking about a promotion, let's say, how is you stepping up to that next level going to help this person achieve their goals for the team or the department? Or if you're raising an issue, focus it on the task, the project, the organisation to say why this is a problem for the organization rather than just a personal problem for you yeah that's interesting that's really useful um and and when you go into the conversation is there anything that you can do Mm. yeah so i think one of the most useful things you can do before a conversation that you're really worrying about is actually just to breathe (laughs) yes um (laughs) i think we get nervous we get tense maybe our heart rate increases and our breathing rate increases a bit and then everything just starts to feel a bit out of control but actually if you can just take a few minutes just to reset to collect and center yourself that's really going to help you get into the right um space to have a really useful and productive conversation yeah and we we talked earlier about the adrenal response your body being pumped full of adrenaline and breathing is a really useful way of starting to get control of that yes and a technique that I really like is called rectangular breathing yeah and where you essentially you breathe in through your nose for a count of four and then you breathe out through your mouth for a count of eight if you imagine as if you're going around the sides of a rectangle yeah and even just doing that for a few cycles you really start to notice your heart rate slowing down, just feeling calmer, more centred and just in a better place to approach the conversation. Yes, absolutely. It's the power of breathing is so underrated when it is so powerful. Mm. And so if you find yourself in a difficult conversation that you didn't initiate, Mm. um, so you're on the other side of the conversation, what can you do to cope and make sure that your perspective is being heard? Mm. Yeah, I think we've all encountered that, haven't we, where suddenly you get a bit blindsided by a piece of feedback or some news that you're given at work. And it's really hard to to respond and collect yourself in order to 
really respond in a useful and productive way. If we imagine you're getting a bit of negative feedback maybe from your boss and you haven't been expecting it, the first thing most of us do is fly into defense mode (laughs) and we become defensive and we start thinking of reasons why that's not true, that's not the case. And we shut down in terms of our listening as well. We stop listening and we start just thinking about uh, why that person is completely wrong and we're right. So I think when that starts to happen, it's just to try and dial down that defensiveness, notice it, say, okay, I'm feeling defensive because I wasn't expecting this and just start to calm it down and really just open yourself up to listen to what the person is saying and really concentrate on just taking on board what they're saying. It doesn't mean that you have to accept what they're saying, but you do need to give them the opportunity to really um, communicate what they're trying to communicate yeah. and to take it on board. I think. Sometimes if you're really surprised by it, you don't listen properly the first time. So I think it's totally acceptable to just say to the other person, I wasn't quite expecting this conversation. It'd be really useful if you could just recap the main points for me, just so that I have time um, to think about them and process them. To remember that that person is probably really nervous about having the conversation with you as well. Yeah. So it's useful, I think, once they've said their piece to you, to even just thank them for having this conversation. Just say, okay, thank you for bringing this to my attention. And just so you're acknowledging and you're starting off on a a positive note rather than immediately jumping to defence and it getting into a back and forth between the two of you. Yeah. I also think if you need more time to think about it, it's okay to say that, to just say, thank you for letting me know about this. I think I just need time to go away and have a think about it and then maybe we can talk about it a bit more later yeah yeah that's all really useful um almost rethinking our um natural responses to these kinds of conversations Mm -hmm. and how we can um alter the way that they go um and, and when you're having a difficult conversation um is body language another factor is that important yeah I think body language is so important and I think it's useful for us all to think about when we look back on conversations we've had whether at home or at work and how the other person's body language has affected us and there's lots of research into this area and estimates vary but the consensus is pretty much that at least 70 percent of communication is non-verbal and humans are really attuned to picking up these non-verbal cues from people So managing your body language is really essential to having a good conversation with someone. I think it's useful to imagine you're trying to keep an open channel of communication between you and the other person and your body can form a barrier to that. So, you know, if you have your arms crossed or your legs crossed, clutching a fold in front of you, putting up that barrier between you, it shuts off that channel of communication. And instead you can try and, open that channel so having an open relaxed stance and good eye contact is really important sometimes nodding in agreement with what they're saying just to signal to the other person that you're listening that you're on board with them smiling if it's appropriate also and sometimes just without even realizing it we do things like if we're disagreeing with, with what someone's saying we lean away from them So just to be conscious of that and instead just lean in slightly to show that you're listening and you're interested in what they're saying. 
Again, if we're feeling a bit stressed, often our shoulders hunch up. Be conscious of that and start to relax that. And then definitely to avoid um, any signs of being dismissive, like eye rolling, um, any signals like that, and not going to make the other person feel like you're listening and accepting what they're saying. Yes, absolutely. Um, And and perhaps we've touched on this a little bit, um, but during the conversation, how can you make sure that you get your point across? Mm. Yeah, so I think there are a few things to think about. I mean, partly, as we already talked about, identifying your goals for the conversation and the key pieces of information you want to communicate. I think it's really easy in the midst of a tricky conversation to get a bit distracted and start going into all kinds of different rights and wrongs of the situation. But instead, just to focus on those pieces of um, information that you're trying to communicate and to be quite specific about it. Um, not getting into the abstract, but to to talk in specifics about the particular issues that you're trying to address. Also just being direct and not beating around the bush too much, being frank, but in a respectful way and addressing the key issue head on um, is really useful. Another aspect of this, I think that's quite important is when we get nervous, we can speed up the speed at which we talk. So we can talk quite quickly. Be conscious of that and start to slow down your cadence, speak slowly. So you can make sure you're putting your point across in a calm way that's easy for the other person to understand. I think if you can do all those things, then it's really going to help you make sure that you get those points that you need to across. And you mentioned about avoiding speaking too too quickly. Is there anything Mm -hmm. else that that we should avoid doing during um, a tricky conversation? There's a psychologist called John Gottman who's really interesting and he writes a lot about relationships and healthy conversations and he identified four communication behaviours that he theorises will always derail a conversation. So he talks firstly about blame. So assigning blame to the person you're talking to is immediately going to make them feel defensive. Equally, even if you're not blaming that particular person, but someone on their team, they might feel defensive about that. So instead of thinking about blaming particular people, instead to think about just talking about the issue, the problem, the task, and keeping it focused on that. Um, Gottman also talks about contempt. So being dismissive, sarcastic. I mentioned before about eye rolling. These are all things that are not going to help get the conversation into the right place for it to be really constructive. Also defensiveness, which I've talked about a lot already. We're all defensive. We all get defensive. It's a very natural response. But just to try and dial down that defensiveness and, and not come as it from a point of trying to defend your particular position, but instead to focus on two of you in the conversation, have a problem that you're trying to solve together. Yeah. Also, um, Gottman's last one is stonewalling. So when he talks about that, he's really talking about just withdrawing, refusing to engage, which again is a really common response to a tricky conversation. But clearly, if you don't engage in the conversation, you're not going to get a chance to say what you need to say and you're not going to make any progress in solving the issue at hand. And what if you start to feel emotional during the conversation? How can you um, cope with that? Mm. Uh, I think it's really hard. I'm aware that different cultures around the world treat emotions in the workplace differently. Yes, Certainly in Western 
business culture, we're encouraged to keep emotion out of the workplace, but it inevitably <laughs> finds its way back in because we are emotional creatures and work can be stressful, it can be hard and it can bring those emotions to the surface. So I think if you are feeling emotional in a conversation, firstly, don't beat yourself up about it. That's totally normal. Lots of people have very emotional reactions to conflict. I think the first thing is just to notice it in yourself and to name it, to think in your head, okay, I'm getting upset because I'm feeling threatened. So name it. And that's the first step really to starting to manage it. Um, also, if you think it's useful, then you can name it to the other person as well to say, I'm feeling really nervous about this conversation or I'm feeling a bit upset, just so they understand where you're coming from as well. And you can start to have more of an empathetic connection between the two of you. If it comes to the point that you're not able to carry the conversation, either because you're so upset or you're becoming too frustrated, then I think you do have to draw a line on it and say, I'm going to need to come back to this conversation uh, when I'm feeling a bit calmer. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, you talked earlier about um, the training that we have culturally um, mm. in these areas. And I think a lot of these um, techniques that you're talking about are things that perhaps as a society, we're starting to think about more and talk about mm. more, and that perhaps that will help us to learn some more of these techniques in the future. I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it is becoming more acceptable, for example, to talk about emotions and kind of well-being in the workplace. I think people are more and more making that connection actually between the performance of an organisation being linked to the well-being of, yes. of their people. Yes. And I think the ability to have these conversations with each other instead of keeping calm and carrying on all the time yeah. is a key a key part of that and I do yeah. think culturally we are changing we are becoming more comfortable talking about uh, things we're finding difficult talking about emotions being vulnerable yeah um, and I think from, from my perspective that's going to be a really positive change in the workplace and when we're having these difficult conversations are there any words or phrases that we should avoid using mm. yeah I think there are definitely some words and phrases that are not helpful <laughs> in conversations. I think certainly anything that feels like an exaggeration, you always do this, you're always late with your work or something like that. Firstly, that feels like a big criticism to the person, which will make them feel defensive. But also then you can get into a conversation about, I didn't hand it in late last Tuesday, rather than dealing with what the actual issue is. So to avoid those absolute and exaggerated statements. I also think that it's useful to try and avoid using words like obviously, <laughs> um, because it might be obvious to you, yeah. but perhaps to the other person it's not obvious. So yes. not making that assumption that your point of view is obvious. <laughs> also anything that's too personal, oh, that was unprofessional, or when you said that thing that was ridiculous, anything that feels like a personal attack yeah. is not going to help you in the conversation. Just to keep it focused on the particular issue, the challenge, the problem that you're trying mm -hmm. to solve together is a much more useful way of approaching it. I think that's interesting as well, what you say about something that's obvious to you isn't necessarily obvious to the other person, because um, 
it's not so easy to recognise that somebody else will have a completely different perspective on something. Mm. But when you do recognise that, it actually can be quite empowering to understand mm. that it's not that they're just being difficult. Mm. They just haven't thought about it like you have. And when you work on that, it's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. I think to understand that the people you work with, even when you're finding them frustrating, mm. you know, they're not setting out to deliberately frustrate you and um, to be annoying to you. They're yeah. just another human being nice. with their own stuff going on. Yes, of course. <laughs> and and to understand that that's what we all are and that actually often there's more common ground than there is difference between you if you can just yes. find it. Um, someone in a workshop said something uh, quite interesting she said there were always three people in a conversation there's you the other person and then there's the truth <laughs> which is probably uh, yes. somewhere in between <laughs> the yes. two of you definitely um and so what about after the conversation um what should we do then hmm. I think something that I try and do after every tricky conversation I've had is just to take a bit of time to reflect on it to say what went well what didn't go so well and what can I learn for next time? And um, if you're the sort of person who likes to take notes, I'm a big note taker. <laughs> so I do, I do like take notes about it just because it helps me process my thoughts um, and help me prepare for next time as well. Well, thank you very much. Um, there's been such an interesting conversation about, about conversations, difficult conversations, how we can reframe them by thinking about them differently, both afterwards and during. Um, Thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting. Engage Governance. Look out for more podcasts coming soon. We would like to thank our sponsors and experts for supporting the launch of the Engage Governance podcast series. To access more podcasts and other useful governance tools, like our guidance notes, blogs and articles, please visit www.cgi.org.uk.